0: for great singing and praise this morning i love that song uh, blessed be the name of the lord you know there's a one of the lyrics in the lines are you give and take away you, you give and take away my heart will choose to say it's what choice isn't it how we see god's work and how we bless His name. As a matter of fact, this morning the message is about blessing. As a matter of fact, if you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, find out that that whole chapter is a book of blessing, chapter blessing. Peter talks about different things that we're blessed because we're a part of, because God has chosen to create, uh, because He's uh, chosen to give to us as a gift. Some of those blessings that we're going to find in chapter three, that one of those is the blessing of fellowship. It's what we're doing this morning. We're coming together as God's family. We're encouraging each other, lifting each other up, all centered around the person of Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is when Christians can come to a place where uh, they feel safe, comfortable, and excited about praising God and giving Him glory. Uh, another one that, that he brings forward in this chapter is the blessings of, of following the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't always, I think, focus on that like we should, is that it's really a blessing to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can certainly praise Him for that. Uh, uh, another blessing we'll find is the blessing of forgiveness. Uh, not only to be forgiven, but to extend forgiveness as well. All those are blessings, but this morning I want to focus on the blessing of family. How that when God created family, He did something pretty awesome, pretty great, pretty wonderful. As a matter of fact, that the the creation of family uh, is, if you look in Scripture, the first act of creation that had to do with relational aspects of our life. That God created Adam and then He created Eve and He brought them together in a relationship. And so they became a family, and so what a blessing it is. You know, in a family, we find strength in our, our times of struggle. Uh, we're better together than we are separated. And so families often weather storms. They go through struggles, through difficulties. But can you imagine trying to go maybe through some of the struggles that you've been through in your life and not had the aspect or support of family? People that just loved you and loved you unconditionally and they stood behind you and they affirmed you and you were stronger. Husbands and wives together strengthening each other in those relationships. Children, parent relationships that cause us to be stronger and better because God created these relationships for us. Family is, is so important and so critical to our, our well-being, our, our health, uh, our, our mindset, our attitudes. Uh, you say, well, Brother Mike, you don't know the family that I grew up in. Well, let me tell you, it might have been a difficult one, but the, there's certainly some positives that you found out in your own family, I'm sure, and the family that you have the, that you have today as well. And so it's a blessing. Uh, so let me just share uh, some thoughts with you about what it is to be family. You know, when Peter gave instructions to husbands and wives, which really are the core of family, that... Uh, and uh, I was asked this question, but I was talking to someone about this passage of Scripture, and I got this question, you know, why do you think he he had six verses for the wives and, and one verse for the husbands in this passage of Scripture? And I said, well, that's pretty easy, because ladies like more details, right? I mean, they're, they're detail kind of creatures, and God created them that way, and Jackie's uh, always uh, chiding me because of my shortcoming on details. She really gives me a hard time because I really just kind of get to the crux of the matter. And so when she comes home and shares about her day, it's like it's this detailed description of every little thing that so if she worked eight hours, I get an eight. No, uh, but uh, I get a 12. Hour. <laughs> so she's she's really uh, detail oriented. And so I think it's because that, that ladies like more details than guys do. And and on the other side of that is guys have trouble processing anything, and so so the the less the better, and the closer you can get to it, the faster the better, and so it's not that ladies need more; it's that they want more, and so God gave them really kind of what they wanted, and so it's not that guys need less; they just can't handle more, uh, and so so He just kind of gives us this description about husbands and wives. And he talks about marriage, and he he uses in both to address each one, he uses the word likewise, and so he's drawing from a comparison to what he'd said before. And so if we were to look back in chapter 2, uh, we would be reminded that immediately at the close of the chapter, uh, Peter gave uh, some thoughts about the The the, uh, example of Jesus Christ. And so what Peter's saying, listen, wives, you do wives like Jesus did in his life. Husbands, you do your role as a husband like Jesus lived his life when he was here on earth. He's our example. And when you look at that, one of the things that you'll see is that Jesus was consistent. So as husbands and wives, we certainly need to be consistent. Consistently in agreement with God, let me say that. (laughs) Not consistently in a different way. But we need to be consistent. Certainly, when you look at Jesus' life, he was compassionate. I mean, he loved the world for God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus came. So he was compassionate. So as husbands and wives, we we have to live with compassion with those that we love. Children, relationships. uh, And Jesus certainly was confident about who God had uh, called him to be in his role in the world. We have to be confident in our roles as husbands and wives in our relationship with each other. It's important. And so we, we kind of see all this unfolding. Now, look, uh, when it comes to marriage, let me just go to some basic definition about marriage. Uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. Yeah, I didn't think I'd say that 10 years ago. I didn't think I'd need to say that from the pulpit, preaching to the church. But I want to reaffirm that, uh, that, that it really is that when God created human beings, the Bible says that he created them in his image, male and female He created them in His image. Male and female, He created them. So when we talk about marriage and when we understand what the basis of truth and true relationships are, we have to go to Scripture and understand it's between a man and a woman. Right? It's it's how God created to be. And anything apart from that uh, is uh, perverse. It's... Indifferent to God's will. It's any, listen, any part of us, our character, that's in rebellion against God. You know what the Bible calls that? Sin. Sin. Now, the Bible says we're all sinners come short of the glory of God. But, but when we're in conflict with God's revealed truth, then, uh, we're not in God's will. We're sinning. And so when we try to define marriage as a culture in any other way, other than it being between a man and a woman, then we're sinning against God as a culture, as a nation. And with that said, let me read with you. First Peter chapter three, starting verse one through seven. Listen to what the Bible says. Wise likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by by the conduct of uh, of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward arraying the hair wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as of the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life That your prayers may not be hindered. Bow with me if you would this morning and let's pray. Father, I I ask you this morning to give us understanding. Father, how that we can better live together as couples, as people. How that we can uh, see you magnified and glorified through our home lives, our families. Father, how that we can truly bear witness of your grace and of your redemption. Father, I just pray this morning that we'll have a receptive heart and that, Lord, we have not built barriers already in in our minds and our thoughts to resist uh, what you want to say and speak to our hearts this morning. Father, I pray that this time be yours, that you give us wisdom and understanding. Lord, that you'll mold and shape our hearts to your purpose and your will. And, Lord, we ask it all in, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, look with me to begin with, first of all, at what uh, Peter says, or what the Holy Spirit says to the Apostle Peter, to the wives. I want to say that so you guys uh, will, will uh, understand where I'm coming from. It's not me, but it's God's Word. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Uh, one of the things that he says to the wife, he says in verse 1, and sometimes it's controversial, it's mistaken in our culture today what it means. He says, wives likewise... Or in other words, like Jesus, likewise, be submissive to your own husband. Now, look, that word submissive has been used, I know, in the past to, uh, in in wrong ways. We can take the Word of God and we can misapply it. We can misuse it. Uh, That's uh, a part of reality. Uh, But really, the word submissive means to bring order to uh, a marriage relationship. That's what it means. God is a God of order. That when He creates, He creates with purpose and order. You can look and examine scientifically or uh, morally at everything that God has revealed to us, and you're going to find in all of its structure and order. Because that's who God is. And God does not, uh, He does not betray Himself. He always acts on that way. And so when He looks at the family, when God looked at the family and He created the family, He said, You know what? Just like I created nature, you read the account in Genesis that I created order in nature. Now I need to create an order in the family that I'm going to create. And so that's what he did. And so his order was, is for the husband to be head of the family, to be leader in the family. And then for the wife to, to, to be there also as an equal, significant part of that marriage relationship, but yet uh, underneath uh, in order of the headship of the husband. And so when you begin to think about What that means, let me define it for you ladies maybe in in an opposite term. Instead of thinking about being submissive to your husband, let me just say this to you. Let your husband lead. Let your husband lead your family. That's the most important thing probably that I'm going to say to you this morning is let your husband lead. Because God created him to lead. God designed the family for him to be a leader. And if that doesn't happen in the family today, then your family's going to be a wreck. It's not going to be what God wants it to be. And so if I could say to you wives today is let your husband lead. You say, well, Brother Mike, I tried that for a long time, and my husband was leading me off the deep end. Are are you kidding me? If I didn't take over, if I didn't grab a hold of things, if I didn't put things together and and set the agenda, we would have been a wreck. We would have been, listen, It's God's design and God's order for your husband to lead and for you to follow his leadership. Now listen, you might say, Well, look, I'm only responsible to follow his leadership if he's following God, right? That if he's not following God, then I don't need to follow him. It's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says in verse 1, It says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word. God is saying to our wives this morning that the design of family is for you to follow Him. Now listen, if He's not following God, then, <laughs> then you got to get busy. Right? Because there's remedy for that in Scripture. You become the example in your own life. Not the leader, but the example. Uh, and, and He outlines some of that. We'll look at that. But look, The purpose is is for him to lead and for you to let him lead. If your husband, ladies, is going to be the man that you want him to be, become the man that you want him to be, it will never happen outside of his leadership in your family. It can't happen outside of that. So let me just say to you today, listen, let him lead. Now you can pray and you can encourage and, and, and you can advise and you can counsel. But ultimately, you've got to let him lead. If you don't, you're going to be in a world of trouble. Let me give you another thing that he says. Not only let your husband lead, but also if you look at the end of verse 1 and, for, and all of verse 2, live a godly life. Stands the reason that if you want your husband to follow God, then wouldn't it be great if, if he had an example, if he wasn't following God, that he needs an example. He needs to see something that would show him that way. And so you might be his example for that very thing. Uh, He says in the end of verse uh, 1, he says that, that, that by your example, that your husband may be won by the conduct of their wives. In other words, he may be pulled to following God by the way that he sees you living out your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as a pastor over the years, I have to be honest with you, I, I, I've seen <laughs> there's, there's many more women that come to church before the guys do. <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of typical. I don't know why that is other than they just do, and maybe it's, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on it, but I just want to tell you, that's my, been my experience. And in doing so, I've seen maybe after a month or after two months or after three months, guess what? Not only do they come into church, but here comes hubby also. You say, well, isn't that leading? No, that's exampling. So you you were a good example for them and now they're coming and so they're going to understand what it is to be a leader. And so by your godly life, you may win your husband. You may bring him around to seeing God the same way that you do as you live a godly life. So example is a powerful thing in the context of family. Certainly it is with parents and children, but it is with with spouses as well. You may be here today and your spouse isn't here with you today. Don't give up. Hang in there. Keep coming and keep coming and be that example that they need to be uh, so that uh, one day your very godly life might win them or bring them around to understanding who God is and the importance that He is in their lives today. So don't give up. Hang in there. Live out that godly life. Now, let me give you a third thing. Uh, not only should we, uh, uh, sh- should, should you let your husband lead, and uh, should there be a godly life as an example before them, but also if you look at verses 3 and 4, uh, showcase your real beauty. Okay? Uh, in other words, Peter says that in verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Now, Peter says, don't stop taking care of your outward person. All right, but he says, don't just stop there, is what he's saying. Don't let that be all there is to you is what's on the outside. Because if all there is to you, what's on the outside, then you're going to be a pretty superficial person. There's not going to be much to you, or there's not going to be much to be desired about you. And so Peter says, listen, don't just let that be it. But listen, it's okay to let some of that be it. I want to speak up for you guys. (laughs) Okay. It's okay to take care of yourself, but listen, don't let that be it. Uh, If you think just for a minute uh, about proportionally, how do we value things? We value things sometimes by time, don't we? Uh, I mean, how much preparation did you do coming to church this morning outwardly, and how much did you do inwardly? I mean, did you spend an hour taking a shower, getting your hair ready, getting your clothes on? getting all that other stuff done, and did you spend that equal or more time preparing your heart to be able to come here to worship God this morning? Now, for a guy, that's about 10 minutes of preparation. Uh, (laughs) Did you prepare that? (laughs) And what Peter's trying to get at is that that we have to take care of The most valued thing we have is the person that we are on the inside. And so we have to take care of that. And it reminds us of that. Listen to what he says. He says, the hidden person of the heart. You see, that's the part that can't be seen outwardly, but that's the part of us that has really the most value, that inward person we are, the heart. Uh, Scripture over and over uh, admonishes us how we take care of our heart. Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceeds the issues of life. The Bible tells us to have a pure heart, to guard the things that we take in, that we listen, or that we see, uh, and, and that we absorb. We have to take care of our heart. And so Peter reminds us that that hidden person, the heart, is of great value. It really needs to be cared for certainly even more than the outward part of us. Uh, And so he reminds us of that. Uh, He he talks to the uh, wives also about the incorruptible beauty. You see, that's the beautiful thing about our inward person is, is that uh, when that person's being shaped in the image of God, that all of a sudden it becomes incredibly beautiful. And not only that, but it's an incorruptible kind of beauty. Now, the word incorruptible, uses a lot of places in the Bible, but what it really means is, is that it never grows old. Right? These bodies that we're going to have after when we leave this earth and our resurrected bodies, we're going to have a body that will never grow old. It'll, it'll, it'll be permanent. It'll be lasting. It's not like the one you have now. Do you ever get these little pop-ups on your phone that says... Uh, uh, it's like a reminder of what happened three years ago in your photo album. You guys ever get those? Do you ever look at them? I mean, if you go back far enough, you say, is that, was that me? Is that, is that my picture? I don't want to remember that. I don't know about you. I'm going to block that if I can figure out how. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of those shots are just, whoa. Uh, but, but you see, incorruptible beauty never grows old. It, 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 and that's what we struggle with growing old. I, I mean, you know, we thought about the outward body and we try to reshape it, we try to reform it, we try to, I don't know, vacuum it out, whatever we try to do, we, we try to, we, we try to make it where it doesn't seem like it's grown old. Uh, big thing in Hollywood, um, and yet that inward person. That imperishable beauty of the inward person never grows old. Never grows old. Not only that, but imperishable means that it never goes out of style. (laughs) You know, just godly character never goes out of style. It's always relevant. It, It always has value no matter what generation that we live in. If we could go back and read the history and look at the lives of Christians who lived 200 years ago that were committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, their life would be lovely if they lived it in this generation today. Because that never grows old. Husbands and wives never get tired of seeing each other growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It never grows old. might be that dress or that suit that we wear might grow old. But not that imperishable beauty of a heart that's transformed toward Jesus Christ. That that word also means it never fades. Never fades. Uh, It never diminishes, but it really stays constant. So he says, the incorruptible beauty... He says, that's what happens when our inner person is being transformed. That's what Paul was saying when he said to the, church, the Christians in Rome, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't be pressed in the mold of this world, because if you do, you'll have a corruptible beauty. But if you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, if you're changed like Jesus Christ, then that, in, that beauty will be incorruptible. It'll be forever. And so he says, seek after that. Seek after that. And then he goes on to say a gentle and a quiet spirit. And you say, what? Uh, He said a gentle and a quiet spirit. And and it really means to have some self-control. And I realize sometimes in marriage relationships, sometimes there's things that happen that God give me grace, right? And, and yet, God wants us to exercise that self-control. Why is He saying, have some self-control? Uh, he, he says, have some compassion for your husband when he needs self-control. Uh, he says, that gentle and quiet spirit is to be steady. Be steady. You know, I remember in, in my home growing up, and I could really say it about both my parents. They were both steady. I mean, every day when I got up, I knew what I was getting up to. No change, no difference. And you say, oh, man, how boring was that? No, really, how great was that? Because I knew the expectations of my home growing up in it. I knew how my parents were going to treat each other. I knew how my parents were going to present themselves. I knew that. They were steady. And it brought a calmness and a reassurance to our family that a whole lot of families don't seem to have, especially today. And so he's saying, ladies, be, be steady. Just be consistent about things. And you know what happens when you're steady and under self-control? There's a sense of tranquility that happens. I mean peace. So God is challenging wives to be the essence of peace and not gentle and the quiet spirit. What a challenge. You say, Brother Mike, I don't know if I can do that or not. Look, I don't know if I can do it either or not, but, but I know that God will help in that, in that pursuit. And then finally, he gives one last instruction. I told you the detailed in them with the ladies. Guys, I'm just going to slam y'all in just a, just a little bit, but <laughs> very shortly. Uh, but he says to the ladies also, follow biblical examples. Follow, now listen, that's true for guys too. Remember, you guys don't need that much detail. But for the ladies, they do. And so he says, follow biblical examples. What did he say? Listen to what he says in verse 5 and 6. He says, for in this manner of the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. They adorned themselves. Did you get that? They, the, the, they clothed themselves in an inward way of beauty that allowed their husbands to lead in that sense. And then he goes on as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. i want going to stop there. You don't have to call your husband Lord, okay? The idea is, is that Sarah let Abraham lead the family. Lead the family. Uh, uh, and, and he goes on to say, you're, uh, you are, if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. So what's he saying? When we follow biblical examples, what do we do? She listened to God. If you read Sarah's life story, if you put it together in the pieces of the Bible for president, Sarah, you're going to find a lady who listened to God. Even in her old age, she listened to God, right? Even when God told her something that she thought was almost humorous, that she was going to have a child at an advanced age, she still listened to God. She didn't dismiss it, but she listened to Him. That's the key to our growth. That, that's the key for you and I to, be, to, to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is that we listen to God. Another thing that Sarah did, if you look at her life, is that she learned from her mistakes. Uh, Sarah made some mistakes. Abraham made some mistakes. But they learned and they grew from their mistakes. And so as, as a couple, as a family, as a husband or as a wife, one of the greatest things that we can do is learn from our mistakes. You see, God wants to grow us. Oftentimes, these temptations and tests and trials come our way. Peter talked about them in chapter 1. And they're there for a reason so that we can learn and grow because our faith is being put to the test. And so we grow. Sarah was someone who grew. Uh, As a wife, as a husband, we need to expect to grow in those roles and relationships uh, throughout our, our entire life. As a husband, we need to grow in our understanding of leadership. As wives, we need to uh, grow and understand and how we can support our husband and how he can support us in what God's called us to be. It's important. And so they learned, she learned from her mistakes. Also, uh, as I said, Sarah allowed Abraham to be the leader of the family. Now, you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. That's kind of a scary thought. Isn't it? Well, you know, Sarah was scared too. Listen to what he said in verse 6. He says, uh, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So, what's Peter saying? He says, don't be afraid to do that. Uh, just let God give you the courage and help to do these things. And so he gave advice to the wise. It's important. Now, let's move on to the guys. Not only did he have a word for the ladies, but he had a word for the guys as well. Now the word for the guys, uh, for the guys uh, begins in verse 7 and ends in verse 7. And so let me just read verse 7. It says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, the last thing that we want in our, our relationship with God is to have our prayers hindered. But yet, if there's strife in the family, if there's struggle going on in our, in our marriages and our relationships, then that's exactly one of the things that's so affected is our intimacy with God. If we're not intimate and personal and in a good strong relationship with our spouse, chances are there's going to be some struggle in our relationship with God as well. Uh, we're not going to know what to ask Him. We're not going to know how to ask Him uh, or what kind of mindset. So. Uh, we don't want that to happen. So here's some of his words to husbands. First of all, he says in verse 7, live understanding her. Live understanding her. You say, that's the most impossible thing there is to do. I'd tell you a joke that Skip told me, but I'm not going to tell the church today. It's not that it's bad, uh, but it's just not what we need to hear as guys today. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but let me just tell you, we need a lit- you say, well, I don't know if that's possible. I want to tell you, it it is possible. I I don't have to tell you that guys and girls are different, right? You guys understand that? Men, do you understand that, that your wife is different than you? Right, that's why she gets six verses, you get one. It's because she's different. She thinks differently than you do. You can't assume that your wife thinks exactly like you do and then go and, and lead your family in that way because it'll be a failure. What you have to do, and the challenge is, is to draw out of her understanding and knowledge about her that you can use in the reference of how you lead your family. If you don't spend that time to do that, and if you don't understand that in the course of your marriage, you're going to have a struggle. The husband's responsibility is to dwell with them with understanding. You see, that understanding requires discovery. That you you should be the expert on your wife. If someone come along and they say, well, you know, I need some information about your wife. Where's the expert? It ought to be you. There shouldn't be anybody on the face of this earth that knows your wife better than you know her. Now look, that knowledge you shouldn't use in a destructive way. All right? I mean, just because you know what upsets her doesn't mean that you need to use that to upset her just because you're angry with her. Okay? That's not good husband-wife relationship. Even though you know it, what you ought to do is take that knowledge and, and, and use it to stay as far away from that as you can uh, and to protect her from it. So, so it requires discovery. You have to learn about her, and that requires effort, understanding. Why does she act like that? Why does she respond when this happens like that? Why is she so emotional? I want to say it, guys. Why do little things like that seem to affect her in such a great way? That's discovery. That's discovery. To understand those things about her. So why? So that you can protect her. And that you can nurture her and take care of her. You see, it has to be understanding. Understanding also is not about only discovery, but it's about discernment. Because once I discover these things about her, then I want to discern, well, if this is true about her, then what do I need to do about it? What, as, my, as, as her husband, should I do about what I'm finding out and I'm understanding. What's the right choice or the good decision? You know, if she's upset or unsettled about certain things, then, then maybe I ought to do my best to protect her in those areas. Uh, if there's something that, that she's really pressing forward, that she's excited about, maybe I need to help her facilitate that kind of thing in her life. Help her to grow. Uh, certainly I ought to understand what God requires of her as a wife so that I can be a husband that will make it easy for her to do that too. Submission, right? If, if, if God wants her to let me lead, then I ought to be a leader that, that happens easily. And so, uh, so I discern those. I, and, and then begin to help her develop as a godly woman. Isn't that God's goal for her life? Is that, uh, you, you know, the Bible says that his goal for believers is that that we be conformed to the image of Christ. And so as a husband, what can I do to help Jackie, as her husband, help her to be a godly woman, to grow in her relationship with Jesus Christ? And by the same token, she needs to look at me. What can I do to help him become what God wants him to be? And then, when we begin to get that mindset and that understanding then all of a sudden our, our life is going to come together. And when the Bible says the two shall become one, that's how it becomes one, understanding. So he says, live understanding her. Now that will never get old, and you'll never run out of opportunity, guys. Okay, I just want you to know. So uh, get set for a lifelong journey of discovery uh, when it comes to the realm of marriage. So it's important. Some of you guys that aren't married, put on the seatbelt and get ready for an exciting life. understanding her. Second thing he says to husbands, live honoring her. We want to honor her. What does it mean? Giving honor to the wife. Honor is a word that means value or worth. Do you realize we don't always realize how much of our worth is derived from our relationships with other people. You ever thought about that for a minute? Do you realize how much of your children's worth comes from the relationship that they have with you as parents? Now, you'll see kids on, on both sides of the spectrum. There'll be some who will be self-loathing seem like they have no wor- uh, worth at all. And if you look at maybe their relationship with their parents, you can understand why. And then there'll be children, that will be confident, they'll, they'll, they'll be successful. Uh, and you look at that relationship, they'll have their parents in mind and understand why. Uh, and so, so much of who we are comes out of how we see our relationship, how we feel valued in our relationships with each other, especially when it comes to husband and wife. Because remember, that's the most personal relationship besides Christ that we have. And so that has the most weight of seriousness in our life is how we feel valued and how we feel honored. If you're a a husband or a wife here today, I hope you feel valued in your relationship. I hope your spouse makes you feel like that you contribute, that you have worth, that you have a deep sense of value to your relationship. That, honey, I can't get by without you. Right? I'm sure after a while, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, Adam said, honey, I can't get by without you. So I'm just going to take that out. No. <laughs> no. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Right. But we get that value. And, and we, we honor them. And, and listen, it's one thing to honor someone and value someone. You say, hey, I love you. I told you when we got married, if I need to tell you again, I'll, I'll tell you later. Right? But no, if we want them to feel value, the important part is communicating that to them. It's letting them know how to communicate their worth that they have to each other. One of the things and tools I've used throughout the years in counseling, with couples that are about to be married is a series called The Five Love Languages. And and the reason I'm so um, committed to that is because couples are going to have troubles. I mean, you're not going to be exempt. You're going to have struggles emotionally. You're going to have physical struggles. Couples, families have struggles. But there's no struggle that you can't work through if you know how to communicate your value to each other. How much you mean to me. How much worth you have to me. That, that just lifts people up. And so it's important that we live honoring our wives, guys. Letting them know. Not just doing it in our mind and limiting it to our thoughts, but actually letting them know that we honor them. And then the last thing that he says to husbands the guys holding on to this, right? Is that live equally with her? Live equally with her. What does Peter say in verse seven? at The end. He says, he says, um, as being heirs together of the grace of life, being heirs together. What, what does that say? Heirs together is that we're sharing this thing jointly. that. Listen, when it comes to marriage, I want to tell you what you need to be joint everything. You need to be joint checking. You need to be joint savings. You need to be joint everything. Because you're you're joined together spiritually in Christ Jesus. Joint heirs. Equally. Equally. Loving each other with an equal future and destiny. Where are you going to be when you leave this life? Joint heirs of His grace. We're going to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. So if we're equally sharing a future of eternal, uh, of an eternal nature, then why in the world can't we share an equal future in the here and now? And so we need to realize that. Equally pursuing the roles that God has given to us as husband and wife. Equally honoring each other with respect and understanding. Equally seeking each other's best so that they can become everything that God wants them to be. Equally living out our lives as husbands and wives together. Valuing each other's wisdom and understanding as husbands and wives. How important that is. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence, but uh, I was was preparing the message. I I, uh, did a a wedding uh, not long ago. And as I I was flipping through and making notes and things and reading, over to the side of my desk was this wedding service that I used for this couple. And so I thought, well, hey, let me me check that out. Because I think it's important. A few months ago, I was uh, cleaning out. You know, in COVID, you're looking for things to do. So I was cleaning out my desk, (laughs) going through things that I hadn't been able to look at in some time. And I came across this file that had, had a bunch of wedding services I'd done for people even years ago. And so a bunch of them were some of you guys here at church. And so I thought, you know what, I want to get these out and give them to the couples. Because they might want to see what they promised, when they actually promised. And so I passed, some of you guys are here this morning, got some of those, and I gave you those out. Uh, And uh, and I hope it had some value. But I picked up this service and I began to look, what did we really promise each other as husband and wife? And, And in this service, it's kind of generic because... All of them don't, or none of them say the same thing, but they all mean the same thing, right? They just use different words to get out the same meaning. But this one went something like this, and I made it generic so that I could speak to husbands and wives. And it says this, Do you take this person to be your wedded husband or wife, and do you solemnly promise before God and these witnesses that you will love them, comfort them, honor and keep them in sickness and in health, and that forsaking all others for them alone, you'll perform unto them all the duties that a husband or a wife owes to the other until God by death shall separate you. Those are the kind of things that we promise as husbands and wives because that's what makes a strong, enjoyable marriage. Bow with me if you would. We're going to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the blessings of family, of coming together in love and affirmation of your will with each other and promising to make a life together, no matter how difficult or no matter what the circumstances might be. Because of the joy and the significance that that brings to our lives. Thank you for thinking of such a wonderful thing. It gives us hope. It helps us to see and understand the family of God. It helps us to realize the union that we have with Christ. Lord, for all these blessings that it brings, courage and hope, we're so thankful for today. Father, help us to never take these relationships for granted. Lord, help us to realize how serious, but yet how absolutely amazing, relationships between a husband and wife are. So, Lord, I pray this morning that, again, that you'll help us to see the priority, help us to put in the work to do the things that we need to do so that we can be uh, the people that You want us to be. Lord, I, I pray that You'll just take these Scriptures and speak to us individually in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you this morning to stand as we close our time of service and uh, in the invitation. Uh, God is so good and God is so loving. You may be here today, and you say, "You know, Brother Mike, I am so thankful for my marriage, or I'm a single person, and I'm just kind of looking forward to maybe that time that that uh God provides for me someone, and maybe as a couple, you want to come and pray for your family or pray for your husband, your wife. You can do that, maybe pray for you that God, I'd be a more understanding husband or Father, I'd be a wife that would be easier to lead. Uh, or maybe you're looking forward to that time and you say, Lord, pick the person that you want me to spend my life with. You can do that also. But as we, um, as we sing these verses, just encourage you as uh, God's moving, maybe in your heart today, then just encourage you to come and pray. Amen.